Hey guys, welcome back to Handling It. I'm your host, Catherine, and as you know, I thought I had my life all figured out, and then I realized I actually didn't. But I'm handling it. And one of the best ways I've learned how to do that is to talk with others about how they're handling their own lives. So if you haven't heard the big news, today's episode is the 100th episode of Handling It podcast. And to be quite honest, it really boggles my mind to think I've hosted 100 episodes of this podcast and welcomed over 100 remarkable guests in the process. I have personally taken away a lesson or piece of advice from each conversation I've had on handling it, and it's all helped me grow so much over the past two years. And then there's the fact that so many of you tune in from so many different parts of the world, which is so incredibly heartening. I truly wouldn't be at episode 100 if it wasn't for the support of you listeners and all of the guests who have been so encouraging and involved in my growth. Now to celebrate the 100th episode, I wanted to bring on someone who really encapsulates what handling it is all about. Handling the joys and challenges of life in a way that's authentic and impactful. And that's why I am so happy to be welcoming Libby Boyce onto the podcast today. Libby is the mother of the late Cameron Boyce and the president of the Cameron Boyce Foundation, a nonprofit which she launched with her husband Vincent that honors the life and legacy of their son Cameron. An actor and humanitarian with an incredible heart and passion for helping others, Cameron passed away in 2019 from sudden unexpected death in epilepsy, otherwise known as SUDEP. As a result, Libby launched the foundation, which is working to cure epilepsy through funding research, education, and awareness campaigns, as well as supporting charities and causes that Cameron himself was dedicated to. So in this conversation, Libby will be sharing more information on SUDEP, as well as the misconceptions surrounding it, and will also be discussing the work she's doing with the Cameron Boyce Foundation. It was an absolute privilege to have this conversation with Libby, and I'm really looking forward to you guys hearing from her. So you know what to do, turn up the volume, get comfortable, and I hope you enjoy. Well, Libby, thank you so much for coming on. I'm really excited to chat with you and, you know, just discuss all of the incredible work you're doing. So um, thank you for coming on. And I, how are you, I guess? How is 2022? How's everything going on your end? Yeah, I'm incredibly busy, uh, believe it or not, which is a very much a good thing for me personally. Um, in my grief journey, it's it's really important for me to stay as busy as possible. Um yeah, I work in the social service field uh, with our Department of Health Services for LA County. And so for the past few years with COVID, it's been like, you know, a roller coaster and we're sort of on a swing again uh, right now with Omicron and so many people being impacted. So I'm doing a lot of work around um, creating safe spaces for people who are unhoused in LA County. So that keeps me very busy Monday through Friday, um, pretty much all day and sometimes into the early evening. And, um, you know, the Camera Boys Foundation is something that we have just an amazing village, an amazing team who um, keep that moving forward and sort of keep me on task. Um, and, you know, we're really um, incredibly pleased with uh, how we've done for the past couple of years and the impact we seem to be having. 
Um, so between that and work, you know, I'm, 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 I've got my hands full. Definitely. I mean, it sounds like it, but I think it's all wonderful work you're doing. So keep it up. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I mentioned to you beforehand, when I saw your name pop up in my inbox, I was so thrilled because not only am I familiar with you and your work with the Cameron Boys Foundation, but I personally am just so inspired by it. So I definitely want to get into talking about the foundation. Um, but you know, for those who don't know, you started the Cameron Boyce Foundation in 2019 in honor of your son, Cameron Boyce, who, I mean, many, so many people know him for his incredible career as an actor. Yeah. And um, I was just wondering, you know, before we talk about the foundation and how you got involved with it, would you mind just introducing or telling the audience a little bit about who Cameron was? Um, you know, uh, Cameron was an incredible human, um, from day one, um, there's like one time in his entire life that I actually saw him like really upset. Um, so he was somebody who was incredibly even keel. Um, he was very, very wise. He was a very different always. Um, and, you know, incredibly athletic and just creative and, you know, he, he was, you know, just like my compass always. And it was very strange because often I sort of felt like he was an advisor to me in addition to me being his parent. I mean, he just, he just, there was something about him that was incredibly special and, and different. And I knew both my husband and I knew we had an incredibly special gift um, in Cameron. Um, and his sister has a lot of the same attributes, um, and we're just, you know, we, we always just felt so blessed to, to have these amazing humans who care about mankind, who care about things outside of themselves, which, you know, honestly, you don't see that a lot. I certainly wasn't like that at their age. And, you know, there's just something to it that um, we, we just don't quite understand and maybe never will. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you know, from every everything I and so many other people know of him uh, and his legacy is that he had this incredible sort of ability to use his voice and understand his voice and the power of it. And just such an incredible relationship with philanthropy and activism as well. And I was going to say, I assume he would get that from you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're carrying sort of this on as well. Um, if you wouldn't mind sharing then, I guess a little bit about his, whatever you're comfortable in sharing, his sure, sure. sort of history with epilepsy, because, yeah. you know, you're very open about it with him yeah. being diagnosed at 17. Yeah. Um, I guess if you wouldn't mind, you know, sharing with the audience how his diagnosis came about and um, I guess what you knew of epilepsy at the time. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it was uh, 2016 New Year's Day. Um, and about 6 a.m. in the morning, he happened to be have a couple of friends sleeping over his best friends. Um, and, you know, they ran into our bedroom and said he was coughing up blood. Um, and, you know, we ran in and he was completely confused and had no idea who he was or where he was. Or um, So, you know, he went to the hospital and they said he had a seizure. And the reason he was bleeding was because he was biting his mouth. Um, and he was just 16. Um, and they said, oh, well, you know, it's you know, you get a free one in life, you get a free seizure, you don't get the term epilepsy until you've had two seizures. So, you know, there was no information other than that. I mean, granted, we were in the ER. So it wasn't like we were seeing, um, you know, somebody with expertise. 
Uh, but then about a year later, he had another one and we took it more seriously and he went to the doctor. So he was 17 at that point. And they said, yeah, when you've had two seizures, you know, you're considered as having epilepsy. They gave him medication and that was pretty much all the information we got. Um, because, you know, uh, I work in a field of social services and I uh, work with a lot of people who have substance use issues. Seizures are not like they're very common. Um, however, that's secondary to substance abuse and not, a not based on a medical condition without other conditions creating that situation. So for me, it was like, oh, I see this all the time and, you know, no, no big deal for whatever reason. Uh, we just didn't quite understand and the doctors didn't really give us any reason to. And that's where I'm, you know, that's what upsets me is that I feel like this was a neurologist he should have known to give us more information and guidance and so on. And there just was none of that. So, you know, he had a few other tests and all of those came back normal, uh, but he continued to have a seizure in his, and it was always in his sleep, you know, like once every year or so. So, you know, it, it was upsetting when he would have them and, but he only had a few. So it wasn't like we could adjust his meds or, you know, really dig in because it wasn't impacting his life. Um, at that point in the fifth one, obviously he passed away. So yeah, that's the story pretty much. Um, yeah. So I guess with that said, um, for, for me, right. Um, and my experiences with the term epilepsy, I feel like I'm sure a lot of people can relate where epilepsy is a term that a lot of people know of that they've heard about. I'm sure people know individuals who have taken seizures or who maybe even are epileptic, but I was shocked to know the statistic, to learn the statistic on how one in 26 people become diag or diagnosed with epilepsy during their lifetime. And to me, I didn't realize how, I guess, not popular isn't the right word, but how many common. people can, how common it is. And I was really shocked by that. So I guess from my perspective of not knowing much about the illness itself, were you coming from a background? Did you know much about it going into it when Cameron was diagnosed? We knew nothing. Um, and you're right. It's like um, one in 26 people. Like if you, most people know somebody who has epilepsy. Um, so like the stories that we got after Cameron passed about like everyone we knew was like, oh yeah, my, this, my, that, my friend, my spouse, my whatever came forward and we'd become keenly aware of how common it is. And even in our, you know, we've created a Facebook uh, group, a, a support group and people to talk about epilepsy issues. And, you know, I've come to kind of um, be the somebody who gets to know if somebody passes away from epilepsy. And it's just like, it's, it's perme permeates my life now. And it's, um, yeah, something, and we don't talk about it in Hollywood. You know, we don't talk about it very often. Like it, there's not a lot of research on this disease, um, given how common it is. Um, not to say there's not research, there certainly is, but uh, you know, that's kind of the narrative we want to change is, is building awareness and also, you know, really, pushing for more research dollars. Uh, for example, we don't think that the coroners, when they um, are putting the, the cause of death on death certificates, say epilepsy very often. Like uh, they could fall, hit their head, and then it's head trauma. Their heart could stop and it's a cardiac arrest, but they're not putting epilepsy. So consequently, we're not getting 
um, the attention to this disease and the dollars that need to follow in research. And that's, that's really, um, you know, something that we're very concerned about and we want to do something about. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, like I said, I was shocked to, I guess, look at the statistics and see just how widespread it is. Again, it's a term that I feel like I've come to know um, just throughout my life. But once you realize how many individuals have it, but also how little conversation there is about it, it's really rather shocking. So did you find that there were, I guess, stepping into the foundation, did you find that there were a lot of misconceptions out there just in the general public of what epilepsy really is? Oh, certainly there's a lot of misconceptions. So the funny thing is that we didn't really start our foundation to do anything around epilepsy, but we very quickly realized, oh my God, you know, like, let me just say, when you lose a child, the first six months is like, just wipe it off (laughs) because, you know, you're not thinking straight. So we, you know, we, we were immediately shaken by the fact that his philanthropy would end. And so that's what our response was in starting the Cameron Boyce Foundation, because he was incredibly philanthropic and felt very strongly about that and using his voice, as you already mentioned. Um, but then, you know, within a few months, it was like, we should be looking at epilepsy. <laughs> um, a couple of people like really pushed that. And it was like, oh, my God, you're so right. And so now that's really at the core of what we're what we're doing. But yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of misconceptions. If you look back in history, there's uh, there's records about people who had epilepsy and how they were treated like, you know, witches or whatever. And, you know, to some degree, I think there's a little bit of that that remains a stigma um, because it's something that is, you know, so out of control, you can't see it, you don't know when it's going to hit. Um, and it it's something that, you know, the whole body reacts from. Um, so I think that narrative over the years has continued to today. And I think that it's something that we're, we just don't talk about um, much at all, if at all. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you wouldn't mind, I guess, introducing, you know, you talked a little bit about why you decided to start the foundation, but if you wouldn't mind sharing just a little bit more about what exactly, you know, you both are working on, you and your husband are working on with this foundation and sort of uh, the legacy you're trying to create. Um, I mean, our our end goal is curing epilepsy. Um, Obviously, that's, you know, quite a hefty goal. But, um, you know, in that endeavor, we also aim to, you know, really build awareness about it, um, begin sort of talking about it in lots of different arenas and, um, you know, do some advocacy around how we, you know, can change some laws around, as I mentioned, the the coroner certificate and, and so on. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we, um, Cameron was involved in a lot of philanthropy. He was involved with the Thirst Project, bringing clean water to people throughout the world. He was involved in an organization helping families who are homeless. Um, he was involved with Make-A-Wish. He was, you know, he would, anytime anybody would ask Cameron um, to come to a hospital and talk to young people or um, to inspire people. I mean, I asked him to talk to a few you know, young people who were having challenges. And he just had that kind of personality that, uh, uh, you know, he could just impart wisdom. And so, you know, we started the foundation because it was just a gut reaction to his voice not being here anymore. And now we are his voice. Uh, Myself and his dad and his close village are his voice. And we take that very seriously. 
uh, will never match his voice. Um, I think he would have done amazing things in this world. And that's really the big tragedy in this. Never mind ripping my heart out. But I mean, for the world, I really feel like he would have done a lot with his voice and his platform and any in any way he could. So, you know, that was our reaction to starting this 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 board and um, this foundation. And right now we really look at, um, you know, new sort of campaigns to get awareness out there. We created the Facebook um, uh, support group. We created the Now What campaign to build awareness. Uh, and we did that in Epilepsy Month in 2021. Um, now what? Now you've been diagnosed. Now what? Uh, the medical community, and obviously it's not all of the medical community, but a lot of them, from what I've heard, are not sharing information and giving people tools and arming them uh, once they're diagnosed with epilepsy. So we created the Now What campaign, and there's a lot of tools on our website, and there's a lot of um, suggestions and so on on our website, like going to a level four um, level four hospital where they where they have experts in epilepsy, you know, seeing a neurologist who's, who specializes in epilepsy and an epileptologist. Um, so there's lots of good information there. And the support group is a place for people to say, hey, I'm having this trouble, this side effect. And somebody else said, oh, I had that. And here's what I did. You know, that's the kind of community we are, we're striving to, to create, in addition to funding research um, through our partner agency, Cure um, Epilepsy out of um, uh, Chicago. I mean, it's so wonderful. I I think, you know, you said a lot about sort of starting a community and sparking conversation. And that is just, I mean, it's so important for a lot of reasons. Um, but I think also when it comes to just illness and being diagnosed really with anything, you know, I'm speaking generally, but being diagnosed with anything, um, people always have questions. And I think we live in, I mean, a combination of the digital age and also just misinformation in general. There's so much misinformation out there that I feel like it's always hard for people to find answers to those questions. And the fact that, you know, you've created this platform, this foundation where you're not only offering, you know, people tools and resources to use in order to get more informed, but you're providing that sort of conversational aspect as well to just, you know, share in conversation with this about people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, you know, knowledge is power. And um, I worry about, you know, people who are a little less um, assertive, uh, disenfranchised communities who don't have access to healthcare, um, who are not getting armed. So we're just thinking about that. Obviously, we're still a young foundation. So, um, you know, we, we, I'm sure there's lots of growth that will happen over the next couple of years. And we're just sort of finding our way and, and, and trying to, um, you know, be authentic with like, what are the things we need to, to really focus on based on what we're learning over time, you know? So um, I think that, you know, we just wanted to do as much as we could for Cameron, with Cameron's voice to make a difference, um, especially around epilepsy. And, you know, it, it's so common, if you think about it, there's, you know, you could, there's a list of folks who have passed away from epilepsy that are in the public eye that we haven't heard about, you know, so it's, it's really just trying to bring information forward and, and bring, you know, shed a light on the fact that this is very common. 
And, you know, there's not a lot of information out there about it. And we sort of sweep it under the carpet, we put it in the background. And, you know, it's time for us to really, uh, you know, face the impact of this disease and the stigma associated. Definitely. And, you know, you mentioned, um, you mentioned that you're a young foundation, but if I read correctly, you've raised over $1 million through this foundation, you know, not just for epilepsy, but for a number of different charities, which is just absolutely amazing. (laughs) So I have to, oh, go ahead. No, no, you go. I was going to say, I have to ask, I mean, just, I guess through your short history then of working with the foundation, what have you learned from it? What has been your biggest takeaway from it? Wow, that's a hard question. I mean, I think that there are a lot of experts out there and people who want to make a difference who don't quite know how to get past go because they don't necessarily have a, they're not known, um, you know, and they're not famous. Um, So I think my takeaway is because I've had so many family members come to me and say, what can I do? Like my child died of this and I'm just, you know, I'm immobilized and I don't know how to help. Um, And so I think also, you know, I would say I tend to um, try to find ways to find meaning. And I don't mean find meaning like meaning to him dying, because that's like, I'll never find meaning for that. That's like unacceptable to me mm-hmm. forever and ever. Um, but ways to turn my grief into, you know, pushing forward and trying to find meaning in this world and trying to help others. And so I think that's the biggest lesson for me is how I can impact others so so much. And I, you know, like, you just think you're one person I have just a nobody from Connecticut, but you know, like, (laughs) you know, you have impact. I know a lot of people through this life. I'm almost 60 years old. You know, we were, we, you know, I've been in LA now 30 years and like, we, we have power. One individual person has power regard, like no matter what, no matter who you are, who, you know, and so how do you permeate that throughout? You know, how do you push other people to kind of find meaning and and also um, come with creative strategies to really take this, you know, this disease on? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think it's just so remarkable. Like I said earlier, I think it's so remarkable that you're, you know, continuing with Cameron's legacy and his background with philanthropy, but also, you know, using your voice to connect and help others who are in similar situations. Uh, I couldn't help but think of, um, you know, we did an episode last season with Nora McInerney, who is so wonderful. She's the host of the podcast, Terrible Things for Asking. And she really has sort of taught almost like a masterclass on grief. And she had shared with me when it came to grief, how a lot of people tend to not talk about their losses. They tend to not want to, whether for whatever reason it may be, but a lot of people feel like they can't talk about it, that others won't understand. And I think what she had said that really struck with me, what was so important is that, you know, every loss is individualistic. That's true. But everybody experiences loss. 
So the more we have that sort of open dialogue about it and talk about it, um, whether it be honoring that person or figuring out ways to sort of continue their legacy, it's so important. And I just think you're doing just that. So um, I like, I really do commend you for it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, the loss of a child is quite different than other losses, but there's also a lot of similarity um, in just the, the sheer um, gutted pain. Um, And, and one thing, yes, I've noticed everybody deals. It's a very lonely place. No matter. I have so many people in my little village, but it's still the loneliest place to be when you, every five minutes you think of that person and you just feel punched in the stomach. However, you know, my husband and I, I mean, obviously we're both um, impacted the same. However, like his way of handling it is very different than my way. And, and that's so important that we recognize that and, and applaud each other for the way we're handling it. And, you know, it's like every person kind of has to find their own way to manage Um, because your usual coping system, the way you usually cope with problems doesn't work uh, when you're dealing with, you know, the loss of a piece of your heart. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I think for me, it's just been, how do I find from the very beginning, I was like, Oh my God, how do I, this can't just ruin my life. Like I could very easily go to bed and never get up again. I mean, this is huge. This, 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 it, 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 you can't, there's no words to describe this loss. There truly are not. There's no way. And that's why I think people are so confused. You know, what do you say? How do you, how are you supposed to feel? How are you supposed to cope? How are you supposed to go on? It's literally like you have concrete blocks on your feet. I mean, there's, and so because everybody's so different in how they have to handle things, um, you know, you can't, there's no guidebook that will help you um, other than other people's experiences with a similar loss. Um, and, you know, I, so I've really chosen to find parents that are finding positive ways forward. Um, and that's, you know, and that's, there are a lot of people who, who can't. Um, and that's sort of part of it. And so, you know, you really just kind of have to figure out what works for you. And every day it may be different. Um, I use the example of folks who, you know, give some comfort to sleep in their child's room or to see videos or whatever. And for me, I can't, like, I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my husband likes to see videos. I don't, you know, because it's just so painful. And so it's not that I'm avoiding, I'm just, when I'm ready, I'll be ready. And I understand that. And um, that just makes a lot of sense. Um, So as long as you can move forward, and I don't mean leave that person behind, I just mean continue living and surviving. As long as you can do that, your road of, you know, your grief road, you know, it doesn't matter. It's whatever works for you to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Mm -hmm. That's really beautifully put. And I think too, you know, obviously with grief, you know, looking at the pandemic as well, and just all the different losses people experienced within that. I think what you said just there is just so important in terms of, you know, looking forward, continuing to cherish the past, but sort of just, you know, keeping one foot in front of the other. I think that was so well put. 
And I, I mean, I, for one, am just very excited to see all the things you continue to do with the foundation. Um, if you wouldn't mind sharing, if you have any new projects to talk about or things you're hoping maybe, you know, to do down the line, um, anything you want to share on that? Well, we have a partnership with um, Hogue Hospital in Orange County, which is a level four um, hospital for epilepsy. And we have a board filled now with epileptologists. So um, we really, really hope to move the needle in treatment of epilepsy, like better um, uh, understanding of there's 40 different types of epilepsy. So obviously, if you have one versus the other, the medication is going to be different. The treatment is going to be different. And there hasn't been a whole lot of work on, you know, targeting treatment for specific, you know, epilepsy um, uh, types. And so we're really um, excited about continuing to fund research in this vein and bringing new researchers into um, the epilepsy community. Um, as well, obviously, um, our Now What campaign, that will continue and hopefully that will grow um, and get bigger. Um, and we continue to do all kinds of things around awareness of epilepsy and hope to do, you know, um, uh, some kind of PSA or something like that, where we really um, encourage people who are newly diagnosed to um, get the proper, uh, you know, treatment with an epileptologist or somebody who's a neurologist who specializes in epilepsy. Um, so, you know, we have a lot of work ahead of us. We also, you know, we, we feel it's important to also fund organizations for things that Cameron really um, thought were really important to young people. Um, you know, he really felt that um, creativity was a way out of a sort of negative, um, uh, abusive, um, you know, a situation where, you know, you could go one road or you could go the other. <laughs> you could either, uh, you know, go the negative road or you could go to the positive road. So giving, you know, young people opportunities uh, for creativity. So we um, are funding a number of organizations for different activities on that front. So we're just planning on growing our footprint. And really, I mean, our main goal, curing epilepsy. So we've got to build awareness. We've got to work with our uh, partner organizations in changing legislation. We got a lot to do. Um, and so uh, I see um, us really um, moving the needle um, towards curing epilepsy, at least, you know, really getting better treatments out there and better advice and, um, you know, an orientation to epilepsy at, at a minimum. Right. Well, definitely. I mean, you sort of said it best. A lot of work is needed to be done. And I think you're doing just that. But, you know, to take it back to that statistic we talked about earlier, one in 26 people being diagnosed with epilepsy in their lifetime. I mean, that's a big number when you look at it, you know, the whole picture of it. And I think, I mean, you just also dropped another statistic there with there's 40 different types of epilepsy mm -hmm. that I didn't know about. And I'm not expecting everybody to know all 40 different types, but I think also just sort of having that knowledge there to understand that there's that many types and to understand some of the general statistics surrounding it. Um, not only does it help to break that stigma, but it just, it creates more awareness in general for anyone who has to encounter, you know, a diagnosis with epilepsy. I think, I think it just really does just break down all those walls and, mm -hmm. you know, allows people to be more informed. So I think you're doing wonderful things with that. And, you know, I'm just personally so excited to see what all you continue to do. Um, you mentioned sort of people, how they can get involved uh, with the foundation, would you mind sharing? I mean, I know you guys are on social media and then um, 
I guess just if you have any resources um, that have helped you sort of with this chapter um, with epilepsy, uh, whatever helped you, um, and then, yeah, what you would recommend. Well, the Cameron Boyce Foundation, um, our, excuse me, our website is the cameronboycefoundation.org. And there's a lot of tools. There's a lot of information there um, that can help, um, you know, in uh, in terms of like grieving, that's something that's very, very important to me is helping others uh, through the loss process. And, you know, uh, honestly, just looking things up and um, on what we didn't have when I was young is Google and all these, uh, you know, uh, search engines that can help you find out all kinds of information. Um, but ultimately, I'd say anybody who's newly diagnosed with epilepsy should get with an epileptologist or a level four uh, hospital that specialize in epilepsy. That's my like big like take home. <laughs> um, and also just find those tools. They're on our website. They're on CARES website. There's Epilepsy Foundation. So there are um, there are tools out there. And, um, you know, I would say also like be your biggest advocate, like if you're not comfortable with your doctor, then find one that you are, those kind of things. And, um, you know, you're the core of your team, your healthcare team exists, does not exist without you. Um, so you're key. Um, and in any way, you know, we, we need to just keep on talking about this. And so I, I really encourage people um, not to get swept up in the stigma of epilepsy, but to talk about it and arm others because, you know, arming other people who are around you a lot is really important if you happen to have a seizure and seizures come in all kinds of forms. In some case, you know, we picture it this, you know, um, grand mal seizure, but, you know, people can have, have seizures just sitting there and spacing out. Um, so we just need to uh, really arm ourselves. And if you do know someone with epilepsy, which you probably do be armed. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, Libby, I always love to conclude by asking, and you sort of talked about it before, but um, maybe you could expand a little bit with handling it. I always love to ask, you know, has there been a piece of advice or a lesson you've learned, a takeaway that's really helped you sort of handle any aspect of your life? Um, (laughs) I know it's like a loaded question, but it's, you know, one that everybody seems to connect with because everybody's always trying to handle something. Um, yeah, I do actually know, know that you ask, and I love the name handle it. And that's like, should be the moniker of my life. Um, but I would say, you know, look, kindness is free and it goes a long way. Um, and I just think if everybody could be kinder and care about others that maybe they don't know who's a stranger, like the world would be such a better place. And maybe that's cliche, but there's so many advantages to being kind, including that, you know, people then want to be around you and open doors to you. Um, so, and, you know, I just feel like, um, every day, you know, out there, I, I see people being unkind and it just, it just screws everything up. And it's not hard to be kind and to be thoughtful. Um, And, you know, I've had those reminders over my life where, you know, I've sort of said, hmm, could I have done that in a nicer way, in a way that maybe would actually help that person? And the answer is yes, absolutely. So for me, that's sort of the theme of life, period. And for me personally, um, what I think about a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I have to say, I feel like that's definitely something sort of with Cameron 
his sort of legacy and all of the outpouring love that people showed, you know, in 2019, everything I saw was that of what warmth and generosity and kindness of spirit he had. And I think it's those principles that, like you said, really are just so, so important in life in general, but especially as we are in this global pandemic. And I think one thing I've taken away is that we are just, while we're all in different boats, we're sort of in the same boat. We're all struggling in one way or another. And I think at the end of the day, to just show a little bit of that kindness is so important. We never realize that, you know, just a little bit really goes a long way. And it's, yeah, so important. Exactly. I totally agree. Totally. Yeah. Well, Libby, thank you so much for coming on. Um, You know, you mentioned the foundation links on social media and the website, and all of that will be listed in these show notes so that people can, you know, follow along and see what all you guys are continuing to do. So thank you. Thank you so much, Catherine. All right. Well, guys, there you have it. The 100th conversation and episode of Handling a Podcast. It was such an honor to have Libby on the podcast to share her story and the beautiful way she's carrying on Cameron's legacy. If you'd like to learn more about the Cameron Boyce Foundation, a link can be found in the episode description below. Thank you to Libby so much for coming on and thank you listeners so much for tuning in. As always, let me know what you thought of our episode. You can reach us on Instagram at Handling It Podcast and feel free to send us a message and let us hear your thoughts and suggestions. I will see you in two weeks with a brand new episode, but until then, keep staying safe with everything going on in the world right now and keep handling it. I'll talk to you soon.